What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 615. It's your host, Lee Hillis, and today we will be joined by our special guest. You all know him, and you all love him, if you're a Titans fan. None other than the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. And we will be joined by Mike right after this and a word from our sponsor. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We have the man, the myth, the legend, and he's a 2021 Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer and the voice of your Tennessee Titans, Mike Keith. Mike, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Lee. Well, of course, some big news coming out of Nashville. Ty Sambrello has decided to call it a career five weeks in. So what what was your thought about that when the news dropped? You know, I really didn't have much of a thought. I mean, he's a he's a guy that's played for us for the last year and a half. I don't know him. Uh, due to COVID, I've never met him. So I couldn't tell you. You know, it's one of the weird things about the last two seasons is there's several guys on our football team I've never met. I never met Jadevian Clowney. Um, I didn't meet any of our newcomers last year. Several of our draft picks I've never met. Uh, so we're just getting to a point now where we're able to have some contact with these guys in direct ways. Um, I met Ola Daney in person yesterday for the first time. And it's, it's just been a really slow process. So from that standpoint, I have no insight into his mental or physical state or, you know, what he was thinking or where he fit. I mean, Sam Brilo was a backup. Uh, he was a guy that had been used at multiple spots. Uh, when the Titans needed a guard, they went to Aaron Brewer first and, and put him in its center as well. Uh, Sam Brilo was the, um, I guess, the first choice at tackle. But Unfortunately, I don't have any insight. Was I surprised when I saw that he went on reserve, retired? Yes. Is it a big story? I mean, he's a backup, so probably not. And then, of course, the other big news, Avery Williamson comes home. Now, I know him. <laughs> uh, I know him very well and was actually able to share a moment with him post-practice yesterday. Uh, he's a guy that – Really played good football for us overall. But the other thing he did, too, during two really rough years where we only won five games combined is he was a person who stepped forward for us for media opportunities uh, in the community. Um, really was a guy that we leaned on tremendously. We leaned on two players in 2014 and 2015 a lot. And it was Avery Williamson, and it was – Taylor Wong. They were the two guys who really stepped forward for us during those very difficult times. So from that standpoint, um, we got to know him. We knew his family. Uh, Amy Wells went to his hometown and did a feature on him in Milan. And when he left, we were very disappointed because of the personal part of it. From the professional standpoint, he got paid. And that's you can't begrudge a guy in that situation when they get paid. So I think overall that was, you know, that was really a, a good thing for he and his family. Um, 
not great for the Titans, obviously, but that's the business. And you have to make those decisions because you can't pay everybody. So really glad he's back. And, and honestly think he will be in a position to potentially help us situationally on Monday night against Buffalo. And then, of course, speaking of Monday Night Football is back in Nashville. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I remember the first Monday night game like it was yesterday uh, where we played the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday night, October 16th, 2000. So uh, 21 years almost exactly. And the atmosphere all day in town because everyone was – on pens and needles that Monday night football was going to be here. And then, you know, they turned on all the lights in downtown Nashville. They really had a big, uh, you know, as we would say, they, they put on the dog for Monday night football. It was a big deal. And then we came out and played great and beat a Jacksonville team that was our biggest nemesis at the time. And it was uh, one of the most special experiences that I've ever had. And then, you know, through the next few years, we had a lot of big Monday night football games. Beat Tom Brady on a Monday night in 2002. It was one of the most exciting games that we ever had. Uh, Keith Bullock in New Orleans in 2007 with the three interceptions of Drew Brees. The first ever Code Red game in 2008 against Indianapolis. A lot of great memories for Monday night football. And I think Monday night is going to be another of those evenings where uh, Nashville gets to put on the dog, show itself off, and hopefully we'll make as good a showing as a football team as we possibly can against the team that might be the best in the NFL. And, of course, we played them last year, but in a delayed Tuesday night game. Bizarre. You know, just a bizarre sequence. We left Minnesota 3-0, and riding high. Uh, everybody was very excited. And then by the time Tuesday hit, it was very obvious we had a COVID problem. We had the first major COVID problem in the NFL. And our staff did an amazing job getting their arms around it as quickly as possible, or else it could have just been devastating. And so we don't play. You know, we, we get a couple of games postponed. They move our game to Tuesday. And then we're going to have to turn around and play Houston the following Sunday. We don't really get to practice. We can't assemble at all. Uh, everything that we did was remote. And we come out and somehow, even without several of our best players, play a great game and win. Um, you know, a, a night that I'll never forget because no one gave us a chance. And we somehow found a way to win the football game. And the funny thing about that, we had one of the worst defenses in the league last year and still held them to 16. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is at that point in the season, our defense was starting to get better. We, we had started to, to make some strides. That was, you know, our real challenge overall is we're, we're saying, okay, we get to the midpoint of the year. And, you know, you saw three takeaways in that game. You saw us be able to get off the field in certain situations against Josh Allen and company. And, you know, there was some real hope that we were going to continue to improve. And, you know, in some ways we, we did improve until we got to Baltimore and then 
when when Jayon Brown broke his elbow and was lost for the year, that changed our dynamic a lot. And some of the problems that we had personnel-wise began to show up even more. And that's why we've gone out and done the things we've done in this offseason to improve it. And to this point, I think we see improvement in the defense. I, I don't know that it's necessarily anybody jumping up and down saying, like, Buffalo has the number one defense in the NFL. But is it better than last year? Yes, clearly it's better than last year. And then, of course, one thing I do want to do is run through my top five plays from within the last two years that you've called. You ready for this? Roll. Let's go. And then, of course, tell me the energy in the stadium, wherever it was at. And we're going to start off. This is my number five. Preseason, week two in Tampa. The Elijah Molden sack on Kyle Trask. <laughs> it was fun um, because it was so unusual. He went under defenders. I've never seen that before or since. I've never seen a guy go under defenders or under offensive linemen, I should say, when rushing the passer. He went underneath them and made a, a great, a great, great play. Uh, it was fun. It was fun to watch him play during that time in Tampa, the practices and the preseason game. We saw in the win at Jacksonville him make a big play, forcing a fumble that uh, we were able to pick up and return for a game-opening touchdown. Uh, Molden is a fun guy to watch. You love guys like that. And then number four, Derek Henry ran over Darius Leonard. Well, you know – for Darius Leonard, that was an unfortunate moment because he was coming off of a block and he was off balance. So he was caught in absolutely the wrong spot. It was like a something that would happen on WWE or AEW with a guy coming off the ring ropes. I mean, he it, it almost looked like he was pretending he got hit so hard being off balance and went flying. But, I mean, he's a 230-pound man, and on balance, off balance, whatever, uh, it certainly made an impression. He he didn't get posterized like some of the guys have had done to them when they've been stiff-armed, but certainly it got everybody's attention. Darius Leonard is a fantastic player, by the way. And then, of course, then the second the play number three, Derek Henry again, scoring in Jacksonville – and you, of course, you called him the Yuli Bulldozer. Well, that was his nickname growing up, and he was back home. And he loves to play back down that way. He's very proud to be from Yuli, Florida. He represents them very well. Um, you know, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's an NFL Offensive Player of the Year. He's a two-time rushing champion at he still does a lot of things for young people in that community. I have tremendous respect for him that he's not forgotten where he's come from. So, yeah, very exciting to see the Yuli Bulldozer go back to Jacksonville and score three touchdowns. And then play number two, Randy Bullock kicking the game winner in Seattle in probably one of the most impossible situations. Well, Seattle had not lost a game that they had led by 15 points in 52 games, I think. And, you know, for the Titans to come back to tie the game and then 
at the point they tie the game, Russell Wilson's got the ball, and Russell Wilson is as good a last-second quarterback as there is in the NFL. And they can't score, so we go to overtime. And Seattle is in a position where, you know, they get the ball back, and, and now they've stopped us, and Russell Wilson's going to be able to go win the game. And not only does that not happen, but he gets sacked at the one-foot line, and they have to punt it back to us, and then we win the game. I think the overall circumstance of it was much bigger than the actual field goal. The field goal was just a culmination of the implausibility of the fourth quarter end of the overtime. So, yeah, one of my favorite moments to win there was awesome. And then, of course, the champ for me, Derrick Henry's 94-yard run last year against Houston in Week 6. Again, uh, hadn't practiced very much. Had played on Tuesday night against Buffalo. Uh, we couldn't stop Deshaun Watson. Just couldn't stop. And to win that game 42-36 to 36 with the King Cat in overtime was awesome. But the 94-yard run was just, I, I mean, to see what he can do on those long runs is phenomenal. Because for a man that big, you shouldn't be able to do that. But he somehow can, and he somehow does, and it's uh, it's something to behold. And then now, let's get to what this episode is all about, Titans, Bills, Monday night. And then, of course, let's start off with what I would like to call Mike Keith's eight keys to victory. Keys to victory? Yeah. What do we have to do offensively? You're four for offense. What what would it be? Well, I think we've got to throw the football efficiently. Uh, we're 10 and 0 when Ryan Tannehill completes 70% of his passes or greater. And so that means the ball is not hitting the ground. That means the passing game is an offshoot of the running game. So on the short passes, on the medium length passes, you're throwing the ball accurately, you're catching the ball, and you're taking advantage of run after the catch. That's something that you have to do well. The, the second part of it is time of possession. You've, you've got to hold on to the football because you want Josh Allen to have as few plays as he can possibly have, which means back to throwing it efficiently. You've got to run it. You've got to convert third downs. Your offense has to stay on the field. Um, if you have to play too many plays against Josh Allen, you're going to have a problem. The, the third key, I think, is protecting Tannehill, and that's just got to continue. Uh, the Titans have let him get hit way too much in the first five games. That's an area where they seem to get better at Jacksonville. They've got to continue to improve in that area overall. And then finally, it comes down to scoring touchdowns. Buffalo's going to score, Okay. Uh, they're averaging 34 points a game. They're going to score. When you have a chance to score, you have to score touchdowns. This is a game where kicking field goals is not good enough. And, of course, I've got my four. My number one, right. protect Ryan. He's yep. in, the first four, in the first five games, he's been sacked 20 times. Yep. That's, an, that's an average of four a game. Number two, number two run Derek. He's he's got 142 carries for 640 yards and seven touchdowns on the year. But you know he's never approached 100 yards in any of his three games against the Bills. Last year, 19 carries, 57 yards. In 2019, 20 carries, 78 yards. 
in 2018, 11 carries for 56 yards. So it's been tough sledding. And while I agree with you, you got to run him, I think they have to throw the football well to open it up for him to give him a chance. And then throw in the extra little wrinkle on him, 14 catches, 125 yards. Yeah, he's done a good job. You know, he's done a good job in the passing game, as has McNichols. But I, I think this has got to be more about throwing to the wide receivers. The, more, the wide, more of a, a pass-heavy game. Well, not necessarily pass-heavy per se. I just think you've got to throw it, and you've got to throw it effectively. You know, that's the that's the whole thing is we've got to get A.J. involved, Marcus Johnson, Nick Westbrook, Aquina, um, Chester really? – if Julio Jones can play, I, I think, a, and, and Ferkser at the tight end position should be more healthy this week too, and and hopefully he can take a bigger load. And then my number three, run play action when you can. I agree. Your your top five wide rec- receiving targets: Julio, twelve catches on eighteen targets, two hundred four. Chester Rogers, thirteen on twenty, one hundred and seventy nine, and a touchdown. Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols, 17 on 23, 160 in a touchdown. A.J. Brown, 10, of, 10 on 25, 130 in a touchdown. Derek, he's 14 on 15 for 125. That's your top five targets in yards and receptions. Yeah, and we got to get A.J. going. I mean, that's the big thing is, is Julio had started to go – when he had come back in, AJ's, you know, we've got a, we need a big game from AJ Brown. He played really well against them in the Tuesday night win last year, caught the early touchdown, made some plays. You know, he's a, he's a big play type guy and he's a big game type guy. Uh, a big game from AJ would be big. And then uh, number four offensively, limit the turnovers and mistakes. That's it. I mean, they've, they have 15 takeaways in the last four games. Buffalo does. 15 takeaways in the last four games. That's four takeaways a game on average. Uh, but you just can't do it. Uh, the, the Titans have got to take care of the football and have got to play with tremendous discipline in this game because Buffalo, from a statistical standpoint, is easily the most disciplined team in the NFL. And counting, Buffalo's coming off a huge win on Sunday night against the defending AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, yeah, I mean they're they're loaded. I mean they're they're a really good football team. I think as good as Arizona is, Buffalo is much more complete and much more much more built for the long run of the season. Um, we'll see if Arizona can keep it going. They have some older parts. And sometimes those older parts don't last through the whole course of the year. Buffalo is a much younger team on average. They do have some older players who play well for them. Uh, Manuel Sanders has given them a lot at age 34. Jerry Hughes in the defensive line continues to give them a lot after the age of 30. But Josh Allen's 25. You know, so that tells you all you need to know. Uh, Edmonds, the linebacker, I think is 24 maybe. Trinavius White is 24-25. I mean, it is a young football team that is built for the entirety of a season. And then now defensively, what are you thinking? What do we have to do to win this game defensively? We can't allow big plays first and foremost. You've got to make them drive the football. 
this defense's improvement in 2021 comes from the fact that when they force the opposition to drive the football, they get off the field. When they give up the explosive plays, the chunk plays, the splash plays, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them, that's what's killing them right now. And they can't give up those 30-yard-plus plays on a consistent basis to have a chance in this game. So that's easily key number one. And then, of course, my, of course, my big one, I had that one, and I had that one at number four, limit explosive plays. Yeah, and so for me, the, the second one is just going to be got tackled better. Poor tackling, poor, poor tackling in the game at Jacksonville, uh, whether it's Motor Singletary or Zach Moss or Stephon Diggs or Dawson Knox or Josh Allen. You got to get guys on the ground. You've, when you're in a position to make the stop, you can't let them extend drives and extend plays. You've got to get them on the ground. And that's a very simple factor. But when you're coming off a tackling game like the Titans just had, you've got to list it right in the middle of it. Uh, key number three for me is you've got to be able to stay plastered to their wide receivers. Josh Allen is a guy who's going to move around. He's going to create space. He's going to create time. You've got to stay plastered on those guys because if you do, not only do you potentially take away the big plays, but you've also got opportunities for, for interceptions. Uh, he will hum it. He will let it go. He gives his receivers a, a chance to make a play on the ball. You've got a chance if you don't lose your man. And that, to me, is a, is a real key. And then my final one is their run game going for 140 yards a game. You need to hold them under 100 yards. You need to be able to not let that run game get started. Certainly that ties back into the tackling. But overall, you can't let them have that effective running game. They're primarily a passing team, but their real success, Lee, has come from the fact that they're getting 140 rushing yards per contest out of Singletary, Moss, and Allen. And you just can't let that happen. And then, of course, my three other ones, get pressure or sacks if possible. Get a hand on Josh Allen. Goes without saying, no doubt. And, of course, in the first five games, this team has eight sacks. Both Adaney and Harold Landry have two and a half apiece. And then you have Big Jeff and Danico with one and a half apiece. Well, they're getting more pressure. Um, I, I think we've seen that. I mean, Harold leading the team and uh, being able to, to get the pressure that he's gotten. They're clearly getting more pressure. I mean, that, that's improved vastly from last year. Got to get guys on the ground, admittedly. Allen is such a problem, though, because he's so big and his arm is so strong that if you're running him around, he can still throw a 60-yard touchdown pass all the way across the field. It's crazy. But the good news is Zach Wilson for the Jets and Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars are the same type of quarterbacks. So we've seen this. you got to get them on the ground. That's the, that's the whole key. You've got to stay plastered to your guy. And then, of course, number two, make tackles. Tack Tackling. Like, so. this team through five games has 231 total tackles. You have Rashawn Evans with 24, 
Harold Dranger with 21, Jenkins with 20, Long with 17, and Byard with 16. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta get guys on the ground. This is a this is a team. Motor Singletary is a hard guy to tackle. Isaiah McKenzie, who is also their primary kick returner and is very good, is a hard guy to tackle. Diggs is obviously not an easy guy to get on the ground. We've talked about Allen, and you know the guy. The guy is Ben Roethlisberger's size with speed in the four fives. So, I mean, you get it. I mean, you you get what this challenge is. They they draft Josh Allen, and they hope he will be the guy. You know, they've really been built on defense. But they draft Josh Allen, and they say, okay, we're hoping it's going to happen. And then what happens? He ends up being fabulous. He's better than they ever could have imagined. He's an MVP candidate. And that has elevated Buffalo to a completely different level right now. And then my third one was forced turnovers. Yeah. yeah like yeah. we we have we have we've got five turnovers in five games, three forced fumbles, and those three were from Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Dane Crookshank, and David Questenberry. Well, and and Molden too. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's an area where we're getting better. You know, we're we're doing a better job taking care of the football and we're doing a better job with takeaways. So, you know, that's an area where the Titans have come from uh, being one of the worst teams in the NFL towards the middle of the pack now getting better. You know, they're not plus 11 in turnover ratio like Buffalo is. But, yeah, we just need to see continued improvement in that area. And then two interceptions of both Bayard and Fulton have one apiece. Yeah, Bayard intercepted the pass in the end zone at the end of the game as well uh, after picking off the pass in the opener against Arizona. And so, again, getting better because our pressure is getting better. And, and here's the thing. As this group plays together and as we get more people back, this, this defense, and I think it's true of the offense as well, this group will begin to make more plays. And that's what we have to see. Now, the problem is it would be better for us if we played this game in week 14 when everybody's back and everybody's up and running. Um, we're not going to have everybody back for this game Monday night. We may have more guys back. But we hope uh, that we're going to have the opportunity to make some more plays with the guys that we have. And our fingers are crossed that more of our starters will be available than were available for the last two games. Like Bud Dupree is a guy we – Yeah, but but here's the thing with Bud Dupree and Julio Jones. We need that. We need both of them. But if you have reservation about their status, do you stop and say, you know what, we're going to take it easy? Because here's the thing about us. We need those guys in December and January. Yeah. You know, that's the key in all of this is we need our best players available in December and January. We've got to win now to get to December and January and be in the race. But I think it's really important, and it, it goes against every bit of thinking that you or I or anybody who loves the Titans would have. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to say, hey, Amani Hooker, if you can play, we need you to play, you know, because that's how you feel as a fan. And, and I'm sure the coaches feel that way. 
But the bottom line is we, we need guys when they come back that they're back and they're with us for the rest of the way. We need them to be as healthy as they can possibly be for the rest of the year. So there will probably be some guys who don't play in the Monday night game because they say, hey, they need one more week. And that's the patience that we've got to exert right now, which is not an easy thing to do. And then, of course, let's let's look at Buffalo. Again, Josh Allen is 114 of 183 for over 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Great ratio. The other thing, too, is he's only been sacked five times, and he's rushed for nearly 200 yards. Mike and- Mike Vrabel said it best early in the week. He said, it's like you're playing against a team that runs their offense out of the Wildcat, and the guy who's playing the Wildcat has the ability to throw for 300 yards a game. I mean, it's we've talked about Josh Allen more on this podcast than we've talked about our quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, and that's because he is such a big part of what they do and such a major factor. Last year, he didn't play very well against us. We won. This year – if he plays well, we're going to have our time beating him. So, yeah, I mean, he's the focal point. He is the X factor for both of these teams Monday night, uh, what the Titans are able to do against him and what he's able to do for the Bills. And then, of course, Singletary, 55 carries, 283, one touchdown, one fumble. Mm-hmm. And then Zach Moss is another guy who's run it well for them, second-year guy out of Utah. I mean, they have a they have a three pronged attack, and and again, they've got three guys with over 180 yards rushing, so they have three players who average 36 or more rushing yards per game, and most teams don't have that. Most teams, if you're if you're lucky, you're like us, and you have Derrick Henry who's averaging 128 on his own. Well, that's great, but you know he's coming for them. If Singletary's working, they feed Singletary. If Moss is working, they feed Moss. And then, obviously, Allen sprinkles in runs that are sometimes scrambles and sometimes designed. So that's, you know, it's what I was talking about earlier with their rushing attack. And, of course, speaking of Allen on the ground, 35 carries, 188, two touchdowns, two fumbles. There you go. And then get to the passing game. Diggs, 28 catches, 374, one touchdown. But to make – Yeah, pro bowler, uh, the guy who's made the absolute difference in their franchise when they went and got Josh Allen a true number one receiver because then Cole Beasley could become what he really is, which is a number two receiver. And Beasley's off to another good start as well. And the development of Dawson Knox with five touchdown catches at the tight end position, I mean, they, you know, they have a lot of weapons. And then they go out and they get Emmanuel Sanders, who played last year for New Orleans. And you're thinking, I mean, he's 35 this spring, Emmanuel Sanders is. And he's got 19 catches for over 300 yards. So they've got all these weapons. And then they can throw it to the guys out of the backfield as well. Um, Listen, I mean – it's, I can sum it all up for you real quickly. They're loaded. They are loaded. Buffalo is really this good. The statistics really tell the story about the Buffalo Bills. Sometimes the stats don't tell the stories. But, Lee, in this case, 
the statistics tell the story of the Buffalo Bills, and they are really this good because of the diverse nature of their offense. And then just to do some math on this, they have a total of 10, no, not 10, 14 plays of 20 or more yards. And that ties back into my fourth point defensively, limit explosive plays. Stephon Diggs, his longest catch on the year, 61 yards. Then you have Dawson Knox with 53. And then Emmanuel Sanders with a 50 or 41. That's it. I mean, and, and then basically this game for Dawson Knox is a homecoming game. Yeah, well, not basically. I mean, he grew up a Titans fan, um, loves, loves the team. I had a chance to interview him in the pre-draft process. Really think the world of him. Nice, nice young man. Um, hope he has a great season except for Monday night because he – I mean, he, he's on pace to go to the Pro Bowl this year. And I can't say I'm really surprised. You know, we had a high grade on him. The Titans liked him a lot. And just at that point, weren't necessarily in a mar- in the market to take a tight end that high in the draft. And Buffalo got a great one. Great pick by them. And then defensively, as you were talking about, Tremaine Edmonds – He's he's a Swiss knife or Swiss yeah he's a Swiss Army knife he can do anything he can drop back into coverage rush the passer and he's huge. he well this year, you, you take them, I mean the first thing that's happening with them is they rotate you know seven eight nine guys in the defensive line according to who they have active and there's no drop off uh, Star Lutilele is back and he was out last year. He is a run stopper in the middle of their defensive line. And that allows a guy like Edmonds to not have a center or a guard coming out to block him because you've got to deal with Lutalele. And if you don't, then Lutalele is going to blow up the play in the backfield. So now you have Edmonds playing middle linebacker, almost in that Ray Lewis style where he's got a gigantic human in front of him taking up space. And he can run and make plays. And, I mean, he's a 250, 260-pound guy in his own right. He's massive. So, you know, they they have great size in that front seven. They're, both their safeties, Poyer and Hyde, are huge hitters. And then they have good cover corners, and they have a good nickel in Teron Johnson. So, I mean, dude, <laughs> I, again, I, it's the same thing as the offense. They're loaded. They have drafted, they have signed, they have developed, they have coached, and they have stuck with a plan that has produced a very complete football team. And then, of course, they're, of course, talking about Micah Hyde, another, he's a threat defensively outside of Tremaine Edmonds. And that's, as you said, this team is loaded. Well, they've got the takeaways. You know, they've got the hitters. They they rush the passer well. They've got 14 quarterback sacks. And you say, ah, oh, 14 quarterback sacks in five games, that's not phenomenal. But the thing is, they don't blitz. And so look at, look at the rushing yards they're allowing, 78 per game. Look at the opponent third down conversions, low 30s. Look at the points they're allowing, less than 13 a game. 
And what they're doing is they line up, much like Baltimore did back in the heydays of the Ravens' defense, they line up in a 4-3, and they say, okay, you just made a first down. Good for you. Now make another one. You just made another first down. Good for you. Make another one. Because they know that they have so much talent and depth on defense that at a certain point, they're going to get you. They don't give up big plays. They make you drive the ball. And at a certain moment, they are going to get you with a sack, with a forced fumble, with a tackle for loss. And that's what they've done. And then, of course, yeah, this this team, the Titans, they're, they need to step up big time against a big time opponent. Those are the teams that are remembered are the teams that step up in big games. Sure. I mean, in Monday Night Football is a big game. You know, the the most important thing that you that you really take in this, I think, for the Titans is you saw at Jacksonville the template that gets you a win. And that is winning third and fourth down on offense, winning third and fourth down on defense, which they did, taking care of the football and then scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And the Titans didn't play a great game at Jacksonville, but when I watched it back, the overall template of what they did was exactly how they're going to have to win. Now, they could play well against Buffalo Monday night and still lose because Buffalo's that good. That's why playing to who they are in week six is the most important thing because they've got to continue to develop this style of play, this rhythm with which they play through the rest of the year. If they do that, when they get to December and January, then they're in a position to make noise. So, yeah, this is a big game. And you want to win it very, very much. There's no doubt about it. But it is not the end-all, be-all. And that's the most important thing that I think everybody has to keep in mind about this contest. Winning it, huge. But again, the season is long. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns along the way. Continued improvement in this football team is going to be the most important thing as to how the year ends up. And then, of course, right after this game, we have Kansas City, another huge playoff team. Right. Yeah, and the same thing applies. You know, you're you're going to win these games not by flukes and not by – uh, trick them sorts of things. You're going to win this game by doing what you do to the best of your ability, no matter who the opponent is. You know there's a pretty good chance if you make the postseason, you're going to see Buffalo. You're going to see Kansas City. You're going to see the Los Angeles Chargers. You're going to see the Baltimore Ravens. You're going to see the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you get it. I mean, this is what you're up against. That's why focusing on what you do and improving who you are is the most important thing for the Tennessee Titans at this moment because that's going to give you the best chance to beat these guys. Well, Mike, thank you again for coming and sitting down with us. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invitation and for you finding a way to make time for me. I'm uh, yeah. As for being so hard to schedule. Yeah. Well, everybody, that was Mike Keith. 
And I'm just going to say this. If you're going to the game Monday night, stay classy and tighten up. Well, everybody, I hope y'all sincerely enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it with Mike Keith. And a huge thanks again to Mike for joining us to do a preview of Titans-Bills Monday Night Matchup. And if you're going to the game, as I always say, Titans fans, stay classy and tighten up. Tighten up! Let's get Titans up! Titans up!